In the name of Jesus, who gave his life for all, their fellow redeemed. You maybe know that this weekend we're going to welcome in a number of new members to our congregation. One of the questions that I always ask new members during the new member orientation is simply, why Mount Olive? What, what attracted you to our congregation? Why, why did you decide to join this church? And you know, almost every one of them answered that question. They said, we joined Mount Olive because the pastors are so good looking. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not what they said. Instead, they said things like, at Mount Olive, our children receive an exceptional Christian education. Or at Mount Olive, we were just welcomed in. Or at Mount Olive, I learned what the Bible really teaches about God's grace in Christ. Obviously, those are all great reasons to join a church. But, but the one answer I've never heard is, I joined Mount Olive so that my life will be harder. I became a Christian so I could suffer some. I, I, I'm a believer, so I don't always get what I want. Nobody has ever said that. But they could. Because that's what Jesus teaches us in his word. That these are things that may well go along with being a disciple of Jesus. And, and while at first those things maybe seem bad, I mean, who wants to suffer? God changes our thinking. And he allows us to see them not as bad things, but in God's hands as blessings. Today we continue our sermon series entitled, Rethinking Religion. Jesus invites us to rethink the whole idea of suffering as a Christian, or as we might say, suffering under the cross. Here in Mark chapter 8, Jesus basically says to each one of us, Christian, carry your cross. We'll see that Jesus carried his cross so that we can carry ours as well. Our account for today takes place late in Jesus' earthly ministry. And to understand this, we need to understand the context a little bit. In the, in the section immediately before this, Jesus had just asked his disciples, well, who do people say I am? And then asked them, but how about you? Who do you say I am? It's Simon Peter who speaks for all the disciples with a beautiful confession of faith. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And that confession prompts Jesus to commend him with the words, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. You might say that was a high point 
for Simon Peter, that beautiful confession. And then a little later, he hits another high point when Jesus invites him up on the Mount of Transfiguration and reveals his heavenly glory to him. But in between those two high points comes our account for today, where Jesus reveals, in effect, the other side of the coin, the not-so-glorious view of his future. Mark records it this way. Jesus then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. Mark adds the note, he spoke plainly about this. You see, up until this point in Mark's gospel, Jesus has only made veiled references to what was coming. I mean, for example, he talked about how the bridegroom would be taken away. But now, for the first time, he kind of lays all the cards on the table. He speaks plainly. He says the Son of Man must suffer, must be rejected, must die, must rise again. And, and, and why must those things happen? Or as the Greek says, why were these things necessary? Two reasons. First, because God had already said that this was going to happen in the Old Testament. Right? Read, read Isaiah 53 or Psalm 22 or Psalm 16. Through the, through the inspired prophets, God said the Messiah would suffer and die. And if God makes a promise, it's got to happen because God cannot lie. But there's an even more important reason why these things must happen. For you see, if they didn't, well, then heaven would be a very empty place. <laughs> right? There'd be, there'd be angels up there, but there wouldn't be any humans. Why not? Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. In other words, the only thing that sinful human beings like you and me have earned from a just and holy God is hell forever. The only way anybody is going to avoid that payday for their behavior is if somebody else endures that punishment in their place. Which is exactly what Jesus did. You see, because God wants all to be saved, because God does not want anyone to perish, because God wants sinners in heaven, well then, as Jesus says, the Son of Man must suffer and die and rise again. You might say, that's what Jesus wanted his disciples to know. That's why he spoke plainly to them. But even though that's what he wanted them to know, that's not what they wanted to hear. In fact, when he talks about the fact that he's going to die at the hands of the Jewish leaders, how did Peter react? Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, scold him. In fact, the parallel account says, Peter said, Never, Lord, 
This shall never happen to you. And how did Jesus respond to Peter? Well, he rebuked him right back. When Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. (laughs) Whoa, that's a little harsh, isn't it? I mean, your best friend, one of your best friends, one of your closest disciples, you're calling Satan? Why? Because Peter was voicing what Satan says, right? When Satan came to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, what was the temptation? At least one of them. All you need to do to have all the kingdoms of the world is just bow down to me. In other words, you don't have to die. Don't do what your father says. Do what I say. Isn't that what Peter's saying? Oh, Jesus, die. That'll never happen. It shouldn't happen. That would be wrong. This is why Jesus has to say to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Or as the old NIV put it, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Thank God that Jesus did not fall for Peter's temptation. Even if it was coming from a close friend who thought he had Jesus' best interests in mind. Instead, as Paul put it, Jesus humbled himself, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. And ultimately, it's that humble sacrifice that Jesus makes that changes how we think. It's what gives us the ability to model that same attitude in our lives today. Or to put it another way, Jesus carried his cross so that we can carry ours. Now, don't misunderstand those words. I once had somebody tell me, you know, the the whole point of Good Friday is that Just as Jesus had to suffer to be with his father, so we do too. And that's how we get to heaven. We suffer. We earn brownie points with God by how rough our lives are. You realize that's not right. All the suffering in the world on our parts would never earn us a spot in heaven. The only way we get to heaven is somebody else's suffering. Jesus. Because he suffered for all sinners, God has declared mankind not guilty. And now that he's done that, now that he has connected us to himself, now he says, well, as one of my followers, there's a cross for you to carry too. In fact, isn't that what he tells his disciples? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. What does Jesus mean by that? What what is the Christian cross? Well, some would say it's, it's any trouble that a Christian goes through, any suffering that a Christian endures. If, if you get a flat tire, if you caught a cold, if your kids don't listen to you, that's your Christian cross. 
No, not really. Because actually, all those things happen to unbelievers too. Your cross as a Christian is what you endure because you are a Christian. As you live out your faith. So, okay, I guess if, if you get a flat tire because you were hauling so many people in your back seat to come to church... Well, maybe that's a Christian cross. If you got a cold because you spent all day out in the rain delivering invitations to our Easter service, I guess that would be a cross. If, if your children don't listen to you because they'd rather watch TV than have a devotion with you, that's a Christian cross. A Christian cross is what Christians endure because they're living their faith. If your college professor gives you a bad grade because you refuse to defend the theory of evolution, if, if your co-workers give you the cold shoulder because you won't join them in their raunchy jokes, if your boyfriend wants to dump you because you won't sleep with him, that's a Christian cross. And yet maybe even more than simply the, the persecution that we receive from others for our Christian faith is really the battle that goes on inside each one of us. It's what Jesus talks about when he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Notice a couple things. Notice he uses the word must. It's the same word that he used for the Son of Man must suffer. This is not an option. It's the will of God that Christians deny themselves. To deny. What does that mean? To, to, to say no to. Right? If, if your, your college that you enrolled in denies your admission, well, that means they said No. And that's exactly what God says you and I need to do to you, to me, to deny your self, right? What's your self? Your sinful self. It's that voice inside of you that always says, well, me, me, me first. I'm most important. I, I want my way. I want, it, I want what I think is most important. You realize how hard it is to say no to that voice? I, I, I know you do. It, it's like this, this enemy inside of us. It's like fighting this battle against somebody that is going with me wherever I go, whatever I do. He's there saying, me, me, remember me. I want my way. Do you see why Jesus says denying yourself is like carrying a cross. I mean, back in Jesus' days, crosses were not made out of styrofoam. They were not light. They were heavy. They were rough. They were made for killing people. God says denying yourself is hard. It's rough. 
So, so why does God ask us to carry our crosses? Why is it so hard? What, what, what's the purpose? It's simply this. Our crosses are what keep us running back to his cross. When I am just beaten down, I'm tired of fighting the battle and, and losing it so often to my sinful nature, Jesus says, what? Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. When I'm tormented by that thorn in my flesh, I'm reminded of what God said to St. Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And when I wonder, why do Christians have to suffer so? What's the purpose? God reminds us in our epistle reading that there's a purpose. In God's hands, suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. My friends, in the end, it is that cross, the cross that Jesus was committed to carrying for you, the cross on which he spilled blood for you. The cross from which he announced it is finished. The bill for your sins has been paid in full. It is that cross and everything that it represents that ultimately changes our thinking. It's what allows us to think differently about the crosses that God asks us to carry in our lives as his beloved children for our good and for his glory. In Jesus' name, amen.